So I want to share a bit with you. I know this is Father's Day, and again, a happy Father's Day to you. We were wishing people happy Father's Day yesterday, and again, happy Father's Day to all of you. Dads are very important to me, and I want to, uh, not just because I'm a dad and I want some accolades. I don't, I don't want anything. Uh, I just, you know, uh, want to be able to do my job. And I, I, it's a job, and some people will take issue with the fact that fatherhood is a job. I, I don't. You know, uh, God gave Adam some work to do. It, it, isn't it amazing? Even in a perfect environment, he gave him work. Now, you know, we have to talk about that. It would really be a great panel discussion. You know, God made everything perfect, but yet there was work to do. And so uh, fathers are working. And I, I've worked with guys in the oil business and uh, men going out to work for their families, and they worked hard. Those guys worked hard. We all did. We worked hard. And uh, some of them worked hourly. They would work 12-hour shifts. And there were those of us who didn't have a shift break. We had to work 24 hours if it required it. We had to work 48 hours if it required it and, and whatever. I usually peaked at 42 and, ne and needed two more hour, two hours of sleep. But after that, I could work 36 hours straight. We did that. And we did it for our families. And I just want to say to the wives and, and mothers and children here that, that when dad goes out to work, don't just take him for granted. I know sometimes men take you for granted. But that, we'll talk about that on the next Mother's Day. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, do you all love me? I mean, I, sometimes I shouldn't do stuff like that. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is that, don't take these guys for granted. Good men don't mind dying for their family. That's just true. That's just true. It's just the truth. And so, and don't you be looking about I don't have one. Don't you do that? You know, you you don't know how those guys do. And uh, a lot of times, these men will go to work and they don't come back. And I I do realize that men have to understand that homework is still work. You know, I realize that we need to understand that better. A lot of times men say, somebody will ask, well, does your wife have a job? They'll say, no, she, 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 she stays at home. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll educate them along the way. Is that all right? We'll, we'll educate the guys, but I want you to give the guys a good shout out and give them a good hand today, okay? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brothers. Uh, I'm going to just kind of do a, a, a message here today. It's sort of a, um, I, wanted, I had a particular message planned for today, but I'm going to sort of meld it with, with some things I shared yesterday to, uh, with the men, uh, because there were men who did not show up. Oh, I, I, I'm not castigating you or anything, but, but, I, but there were some men who did not show up, and I want to make sure they have the blessing, all right? I want to make sure they have the blessing. Maybe God had them on assignment. I don't know. But uh, in Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in the first verse. And I want to do this uh, just to bless uh, the men who were not here and maybe to give our, our sisters some insight into fatherhood. Because sometimes if you didn't have a good father, strong father, a uh, father that was there to discipline you, correcting you, you may not understand fatherhood, and I want to help you to help you. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. 
Now, God told Abram to do that. He said, you leave, leave uh, your, your, uh, uh, your, your country. You know, isn't that amazing? Leave your country. What if somebody, if God came up to you and said, I want you to leave America, and I want you to leave your daddy's house. I, I'm going to do something with you somewhere else. Uh, some of y'all would think it was the devil. <laughs> but listen to what he says to Abram. I will make you a great nation. So God made some promises. Asked something of him, but he made him some promises. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And he says, I will make your name great. And then you shall be a blessing. Now listen, God has to do something before you're a blessing. You, you didn't come here being a blessing. God had to do something in your life before you could be a blessing to anybody. Because we're all uh, conceived in iniquity, born into sin, all that kind of stuff. We all, we all came here as sinners. When you came through the womb, you were a sinner. All, you, you just hadn't had opportunity to express it. But listen to what God says to Abram. I will. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will, that is, pour divine favor on you. Uh, you'll have favor wherever you go. The divine favor, the favor of God will be upon you. You'll be able to do things. You'll have facility to do things. And he says, I will make your name great. So you don't have to be worried about your reputation. and You don't have to worry about, uh, oh, I, uh, they are damaging my reputation, so I've got to do something. No, no, no. God's fighting for us. Uh, I want you to hear this. Then in verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you. So, so we are, he has said previously, and you shall be a blessing. Now, how is it that Abram is, was a blessing? And how is it that men are today are a blessing? Because he says, I will. God says, it's because I will do something. I will bless those who bless you. So those who, see Abr uh, who saw Abram and who see us, then when they start to say, oh, I like you. Maybe the elders. Oh, uh, let's give uh, Pastor Don, the father of the house, let's give him a gift and oh, let, let's include the children. Oh, he says, I'll bless them. So God said, I'm going to bless them for doing that. That's how this thing works. When you're stingy, you don't get a blessing. You just have what you've been able to miser away. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. But listen, he says to Abram, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, he says, now, Abram, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless all the people groups in the world because of you. And, and, and we see that in, um, in Revelation where all these blessed people coming from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, coming all to, to, to the throne of God. Why? Because of Abraham's obedience. This is big. So you, you can't expect the blessings of God without being obedient to God. So he had to leave something that, he, that was dear to him, his country. And then he had to, to leave his family. He had to leave his father's house and go to a land that he didn't know where he was going, hadn't been there before. Amen. So God wants you to have experiences you've never had before. But you have to obey God. You have to have faith. Now, now, now this is good for me. I'm just really happy. I feel like that old preacher we had in college, you know. He was about 50, uh, old preacher that, at that time. <laughs> Young whippersnapper. I remember him just grabbing him and saying, we were sitting out in the audience, you know, we were college kids. We, we weren't all animated. We were just sitting down there, you know, like, tell us something important, you know. And, um, and he grabbed himself and said, I'm preaching myself happy. So that's how I feel today. I'm preaching myself happy. 
Verse 4 says, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Can you imagine that God starting this man out at 75 years old? We think, well, I'm just waiting on the, on, on the undertaker, you know, whatever we, we say. <laughs> I mean, my life is over now. Uh, I've been retired now 10 years. This man here, he, he's starting out. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I mean, that's kind of like me. I read something recently uh, that said that most people have their greatest success from 60 onward. I was shocked at that. Is that amazing? So, oh, oh, by the way, my subject is make his path straight. I hope I get to the paths. (laughs) And then let's go to uh, Genesis 17. And I want you men to hear this and understand this. You know, church and, and the things of God do not have to be all stodgy and, and uh, antiquated, old, and decrepit. They don't have to be. It can be joyful. I mean, the things of God are joyful. You know, well, the Holy Ghost can't move because, no. I'm not going to be a hindrance to the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Holy Spirit's going to use me. He's going to use you. But look at Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, wait a minute. 24 years have elapsed. 24 years. Sometimes we we get so bothered. Well, I'm getting old and time is passing me by. God can make time stand still. I remember one time uh, in the scripture, I read this scripture when the Bible talks about Joshua. said God has never done that to, as he did to Joshua. Joshua was fighting God's battles. And, and the, I think we would call that Ijalon, uh, in the valley of Ijalon, A-I-J-A-L-O-N. And he said, uh, he said, son, stand still. And said, God heard him. And, and make the sun stop there. The moon had to hold his position because a man connected with God. That's big stuff for me. So what, what are 24 years? What are 24 years? So he called him at 75, and now the man is 99 years old, still waiting on God's promises. See, God's promises cannot be negated by age. And then he says in verse 3, and I will make my covenant between me and you. I was telling the brothers yesterday that um, I was, that was considered bad English, bad grammar when I was a kid. You, you, you wouldn't say, um, and I will make my covenant between me and you. You'd say, you and me. But see, God is the principle here. And God said, no, I'm not going to make it between you because you're not, you're not the, the principle here. You, you're not the solid rock here. I am basing these promises on myself because there's nobody higher than me. I'm going to swear. I don't have to swear. All I have to do is say something, but I'm going to swear by myself. Come on. This is amazing. And so he says, "I, I will make my covenant between me and you and... I will multiply you exceedingly. So God is, God's word is based on himself, who he is, his own veracity or truthfulness. I, I will multiply you exceedingly. He's saying this to a man who obeyed. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, 
and you shall be a father of many nations. That's what God's talking to this man. Listen, he's a man, just like you, maybe like your husband. He says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but you, your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Now listen to all these, I wills. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you. And your descendants after you in their generations. For an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And God is saying this to some man here, some daddy, some husband, that I'm going to, what I do for you, I'm going to do it for your children. I, I want you to believe that I'm a God or the God who does not change. I am the living God. And so he wants us to make straight paths, make his paths straight. So how do you make his paths straight? By obeying him. By doing whatever he says. You don't have to figure it out. It doesn't come to a point where you go, okay, I got this figured out. Now I can believe. No, you're still in doubt. If you have to figure it out to believe. You're still in doubt. Still questioning God. Wanting to be God's counselor. Now notice here what he says. Because the Bible says in Isaiah uh, 54, he says, All of your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. And Jesus takes that verse up and says, everybody uh, who is God-taught will come to me. And so now how does God teach them? God will teach, God can teach them through experience, but God wants to teach your children through you. I talk about my dad all the time, don't I? I talk about our dad all the time. I act like he was just my dad. I don't mean to do that. I just kind of do. He was always teaching. I, uh, uh, my daughter, Ginger, uh, our daughter, see, I did it again. <laughs> but our daughter, Ginger, blessed me one day so much. She was talking to somebody. She said, you know, growing up in, in, in the house, my dad was always teaching. And I had wondered, I wish I were more like my brother, Elliot, who is always teaching his children. And I, I used to always say that to myself. And I think that this may be the first time I've publicly admitted. But I said, I want to be more like him. I, uh, but she said he was always teaching. She said, and somebody asked her a question. She said, oh, I knew about the clouds because I remember when I was a little girl and dad was teaching me about the clouds. Or he was teaching me about planting and about harvesting. I thought, did I do all of that? <laughs> yeah, wow. Why? God wants to teach your children and your family through you. So your exemplary, your example behavior ought to be teaching them. Whether... So whether it is, it is good or not, you're teaching. Amen. So maybe those children go, man, I don't know if I want it. Want it. This is an example. Um, I don't know. I love my dad, but, you know, you don't want that. And if you've been that kind of dad, then you need to change. You, know, change, you can change today. You say, well, it's too late. It's not too late. You still have air in your lungs. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. So um, let's look. So God changed Abram's name from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, father of a multitude. So what he did was, that means every time God called Abraham, he says, father of a multitude, come here. And so that's what Sarah, his wife, began to call him, father of a multitude. It's like speaking what God has spoken. And then, and then God says, I'm going to make you 
um, the, uh, the, the father of many nations. And so it, it was a multitude of nations. So when he called his name, uh, every time he, God spoke this promise, rather, he was saying, a multitude of nations. A multitude of nations. And God just kept speaking it. Sometimes we say, well, if you said it once, there's no reason to say it again. But I disagree with that. In Genesis 17, 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of multitudes of nations. She'll be a mother of of multitudes. Kings of peoples shall come from her. And that word peoples means uh, different races and ethnic groups will come from her. Isn't that amazing? And he changed her name to a mother of nations. Amen. Wow. wow. A mother of nations. A mother of nations. Sarah, a princess, was a mother of nations. L let me go to Romans chapter 4, if you will. Romans chapter 4. And uh, let's look at verse, verse, a few verses, maybe the first three verses. Paul writes, what, th what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Wow. He said, if he's, if he's justified, declared righteous by the things he did, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Not Abraham worked, but Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so what God is saying to all of us, and I want the men to really get this, what he is saying is, is it is a righteous thing to believe and exercise faith. Now, we have given you the backdrop of this story of God talking to a, a 75-year-old man, starting him out in ministry at 75 years old. 24 years later, he is uh, now... Uh, impotent. He's, he's, uh, he's uh, 99, almost 100 years old, and he is impotent. God comes and says, okay, uh, how old is Sarah Abraham? God was not seeking information. And, uh, you know, she's 90. Uh, she's 90. She's still good looking, though, God, you know, because she was a beautiful woman, but she was childless. And he said, yeah, Sarah, um, uh, uh, Sarah's going to have a child, and, uh, and, and uh, that, I'm going to finish my promise to you. I'm going to complete my promise that I, I, I told you uh, what I was going to do. And so Abraham said, oh, Lord, you don't have to do that. Uh, just let Ishmael sit, stand before you. I, I'm, I'm fine with Ishmael. He said, no, I'm going, to have, I'm going to do what I told you I was going to do. And uh, Sarah's going to have a child. And so Sarah's laughing. I mean, because she knows. You know, she knows. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, she's thinking probably, that's impossible. And so the Lord says, what are, you, what are you doing laughing over there? I didn't laugh. Yeah, you, yeah, you laughed. But, but you, but, but, so when Isaac was born, she called him laughter because God called her out. Let me show you something. God was after something. He was after something in the world when he called Abraham. God it was after something when he called each of us. Each one of you, God was after something. That song, that stands in the song that we sang, uh, he is up to something. God is doing something. He's doing something right now. God is up to something. God is up to something. When God calls you, he called to you, he was up to something. Yeah. Let me show you what God was up to. 
It's amazing. When you read the, the Scriptures, and I, I've said to several of you, I've been really blessed by reading the Old Testament this year more than ever I've been blessed by it. I, and I've been astounded also that, that God, the living God, can talk to people and they ignore Him. Just didn't seem to care what He said or what He thought. That shows you how bad mankind is. So don't come up to me and say, well, I don't know what, the, I don't care, Pastor. I think man is good. Well, you're just thinking wrongly. We need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. All of us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've told you this story several times. It still makes me laugh when I think about it. But uh, this friend of mine, his name was Don also. He was a car salesman in Kingsville, Texas years ago. And one day he wanted me to go by his house for something. I was there and he had to, these little boys, uh, little just beautiful, little blonde-haired boys, little fat little boogers. And they were just three, I think about three of them. They were on the floor just playing with each other. And old Don looked at me and said, look at, hey, Don, Don, look at them over there. Little sinners, little sinners. <laughs> I had never heard that in my life. I can't forget it. But, but he was right. I mean, you know, you think, man, I'll call your kids sinners. They're not sinners. Yes, they are. Yeah. That's, they, they have to grow up and have a Savior, man. They need a Savior. Yeah. Yeah. Those little rascals. So we, we all, we need Jesus. We need God. Let me show you what God was up to when he called Abram, then changed his name to Abraham. Uh, he had a barren wife. 90 years old, postmenopausal, no life in the womb, and God gave her life and gave him life too. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Blessed him. Wow, blessed man. After Sarah passed away, still had six more children. So God didn't give him a temporary fix. God's not looking for temporary with you and me. Let's look at what God was up to in Luke chapter 1, verses 41 through 55. It says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. I like the way the British said, he leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, now listen to this, Elizabeth. Elizabeth didn't know that Mary and Elizabeth uh, didn't know all, uh, rather, Elizabeth didn't know Mary's encounter with the angel. But listen to what she says. Blessed are you among women. This is what the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit did for her. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. So she begins to speak out of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit. The indwelling Holy, Holy Spirit is not there for goosebumps, everybody. He is there for the power of God to be expressed in and through you. She began to say, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt or leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. That the Holy Spirit gave her utterance, and this is what I am speaking predicting, I'm saying right here in this, in this house today, that the Holy Spirit in you is going to speak forth in you. He is going to move in you and for you and on behalf of the promise that God made to Abraham. 
Yeah, he's going to do it. And so Elizabeth, now filled with the Holy Spirit, says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And so she begins to, Mary comes to Elizabeth and, and goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and she says, Elizabeth! And John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Mary is carrying Jesus Christ, the Son of God. She's carrying Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And when you have the Spirit of God, then you have God within you. We have to understand what God spoke to Abraham when he was 75 years old. Thousands of years ago, now he is bringing to fulfillment with you, seated right here in this congregation. People from Europe, Africa, Asia, here in North America, all sitting together, worshiping God, coming from every people group in the world. God is still fulfilling what he told Abraham and bringing life to the womb of a barren woman. That is amazing to me. That is amazing to me. What gives me hope, what causes me to keep going is that reality of the Word of God that's not just on the pages of my Bible or on my iPad, but lives within my heart. That's what keeps us going. Don't you ever say, I don't know. I don't know if I believe now. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. And as, as the Holy Spirit in, in Elizabeth began to give her unction. Now Mary, Mary has the unction to speak and the Holy Spirit is doing something out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Whoa, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down. Now listen, what she's showing, she's speaking presently and prophetically. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. He has shown strength. He has scattered the proud. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. Wow. 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 So God spoke to a childless man and gave him a promise. How much more those of us who have the Spirit of God living within us, how much more those of us who have received Jesus Christ living in our hearts, Jesus Christ who has taken up residence, residence, I drive down my, my neighborhood and I see many residences. But when the God is looking here, he sees his residences. 
in the hearts of men and women. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. In, the, in Mark chapter 9, we find that, that God is still speaking. And in Mark chapter 9, later on, after, after Mary's baby's grown up, and he's ministering, and he's, he's been popular as long as he did not tell them of his full mission. He was popular. But when it came down to the, what we would call the nitty-gritty, the, you know, the tough things, then he became unpopular. See, God has, has uh, Christianity has been popular, and God has been doing a, a great things. But we have not had to make, as it were, the tough choices. We are now beginning to make, have to make tough choices. And when you make tough choices, then that shows who you really are. And so it says Jesus now began to, he began telling the Pharisees who they were and, and what God's mission was and, and what God wanted to do. I remember reading the story when he was at Nazareth. Jesus was at Nazareth and uh, he, he was fine as long as he read the scripture and uh, they, they thought, oh, how gracious, how gracious. But then when he started to talk to them about who they were and how they had been behaving and, and how there were, there were uh, many uh, widows in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, but to none of them were, uh, was the prophet sent except a woman of Zarephath, a Gentile, an outcast. He said, none of them. They start to, their, their hair started to stand up on their necks. And he said, and there were a lot of lepers in in, in uh, Israel, but, but, but none of them got cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And they said, what are you going gonna, gonna to preach that kind of message? You, you're going to meddling. And they took him to throw him off the cliff. And this story, this saga continues from the time God talked to Abraham. When God talks to you, it's not a small matter. It's not, it's over. No, it continues. The story continues. When God talked to a, a little boy who was looking toward the west, on the back steps of his house, and seeing the sun setting. God's story continues. 65 years later, it continues. I'm telling you, I want to give you hope, dads. I want to give you hope, mom. The story continues. It's not over. When you look at your children, say, it's not over. I talked to God and said, Lord, I want all of my, my, God has already promised all your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of your children. I said, I want my children and my grandchildren. I don't want to be in heaven without my children and my grandchildren. I don't want to go all over the world preaching the gospel and lose my children and my grandchildren. So I said, all of my children will be taught of the Lord. All of my grandchildren will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. This story continues, believers. It continues from the time God spoke to Abraham. That word is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Wow. So after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Now listen, see the presence of Elijah at the transfiguration. Uh, it, it, it sort of it, it evokes something in the disciples because John 
had the, the prophecy, John fulfilled the prophecy. He was, um, uh, he came in the spirit rather and the power of Elijah. Yeah, he came. And his mission was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. When Brother Elliot read that, I thought, man, he's reading my scripture. That's what he came for. And Jesus said to, the, to his audience, if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. And so we find a, a, a little over 2,000 years ago or thereabout, then God gave Israel an opportunity uh, because God the Father had sent Elijah in, here, in remembering what he told Abraham. God hasn't forgotten every word that he told you that you've forgotten. And God is going to bring it to pass because that's who he is. I don't want you to be bored by, by the, this reality of God. I don't want you to be bored because you say, I need something right now. God is doing something right now. He's doing something right now. So this, in this story, you find that it was like a confirmation. The disciples were excited because they saw Elijah, and Jesus said, if you're willing to receive it, so, wow, maybe Jesus doesn't have to suffer. Maybe that God is going to work this thing out. Maybe he's going to work this thing out. I'm not going to take time to, to talk to you about uh, in Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4 has even more significance now as I understand how God dealt with Abraham. But let me share something with you. I'm going to go. I don't know if I, if I told you this. Let me, let me just have a little more of your time. Do you mind? It's Father's Day. And what, you know. <laughs> Listen, in 2 Corinthians 6, in 2 Corinthians 6, I'm just going to kind of hit it really quickly. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6. I think that brother's hungry. <laughs> yeah. Verse 16. This is what God says. This is, again, we find the I wills of God in Genesis, and now we find them in 2 Corinthians. I will dwell in them. This is what God made a promise. I will walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Verse 17. So this is what he says to the people. Remember, Abraham had a response to God. Abraham had a response to God. So he, Abraham got what God was after. He had a response to God. So what is your response? You cannot have, as it were, a non-response. You cannot be muted. Listen to what he says to you. This is your response. Come out from among them. Wow. That's really tough for us. I've seen it. I've seen it played out, man. I've seen it played out. It's tough for, for a lot of us Christians. We can't seem to do this. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. So we're calling things clean that God says they're unclean. Wow. In verse 18, he says, now, if you would do that, what does God promise? I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters says the El Shaddai. Amen. The Lord Almighty. He says, this is what I'm going to be for you. See, Abraham, he says, okay, I'm El Shaddai. 
And El Shaddai wants to do this for you. El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty, wants to bring the, to pass everything he has promised you, everything that he told Abraham about you. It wasn't just for the Jewish people. The Jewish people were to be a nation of priests, a kingdom of priests going to the rest of the world with God's message. It was always meant it for all of us, all of God's children. Hallelujah, somebody. So the, Israel missed it. 2,000 years ago, they flat missed it, Jesus says. Only if you knew what the, the things that would make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. But now, God's word to Abraham is still out. And I, I, there's coming Elijah again. Elijah came and, and John the Baptist Elijah came. Yeah, he was the Elijah who was to come. And then I will just sort of sum, summarize this in, in Revelation chapter 11. Uh, in, um, in verse 1, he says, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it. For it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth, and if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies, and if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And then he goes on to say that these, these two witnesses were killed. These witnesses come in the power, the spirit of power of, of Elijah. And it may very well be that they come with the Elijah-Elisha ministry. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that we are poised for this particular coming. Hallelujah. We are poised for that. that. That's what I believe we exist for, is to bring the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. I, I believe that's why we exist. And so this coming, what God told Abraham, I believe we're on the very precipice of it happening. And, and, the, and the beast kills them. He, kill, he tries to snuff out the word of God, the promises of God. But he doesn't know. That is the Antichrist does. Don't get all embroiled and involved in this stuff that's passing away. God wants you and me, he wants us to look up. He wants us to recognize that our redemption is drawing near. God is up to something. God is doing something right now. So let us make his path straight. Let's make the, the, the paths of the Lord's coming straight. Let's make them straight. Let's remove all the craziness and the junk. And let's preach the gospel. And let's model the gospel. And don't 
be so concerned about your feelings and yourself. Because after three and a half days, these two men or two people, two witnesses, are going to rise up and stand on their feet. And there's going to be a voice that says, come up. And they're going to go up without a rocket ship, without any kind of airplane or anything. They're going to go up by the voice of God. That is what is waiting. And as surely as God gave life to a dead womb, 90-year-old woman, gave, gave potency to an impotent man who was about 100, as surely as Malachi prophesied that, that the forerunner was going to come. And, and the Word of God says John the Baptist, the angel showed that John the Baptist was the first coming of, of, the, of that, those witnesses, or that witness, and they didn't receive it. But now he says there's coming one, and nothing's going to negate it. I believe that's why we are poised at this hour. Now, if I can hear this, I should hear it and walk in the truth of it. Amen. 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 Come on, amen. Let's walk in the truth of this thing. Let's be real serious about God. Let's do whatever God has promised us. He promised our father Abraham. Will he not do it? Will he not do it? I want you to think about it. I'm going to come back in just a minute. I want you to think about the message. I'm going to come back in a minute, all right? Brother James, you go ahead. I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to ask you a question. If you want to give your heart to Jesus or you want to be strong in the Lord.